Now we're in week three of our series called The Core, which is a, rela- a series about relationships. And, um, you know, we talk, we've been talking about a core need of every human being is relationships. Sometimes we don't recognize that. And we might not even acknowledge that. We say, you know what, I can just get along by myself. Just keep people away from me and I'll be okay. But the reality is we do need each other and we do need each other's support. In Genesis 2.18, it says this, the Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. Now, in Genesis 2, in the beginning, in the beginning of beginnings, when God said it is not good for man to be alone, he meant it. He meant what he said. And as he created everything, there was nothing else that he created that he said it wasn't good, except when Adam was all by himself, he said, this is not good. And so he created a helpmate for Adam. And from that passage of scripture, we realize that God created us all with a deep spiritual and emotional need to connect with others. And the more we connect with other people, the better off we will be. You know, studies have proven that those who connect well with others and build meaningful relationships, they will have a a more successful life. They'll do better academically. They'll do better physically. They'll do better psychologically, emotionally, and spiritually. Every area of their life is enhanced when it's lived out in connection with other people. So the bottom line is this. The better we connect with others, the better our life will be. And this is the whole point of this series. You know, if you look into the Bible, you can't read the Bible without seeing how incredibly relational it is. You look at the Ten Commandments, the first four commandments about a relationship with God. But, you know, the next six are about how to help us relate to one another. Don't lie. Don't cheat. Don't steal. Don't commit adultery. It's about helping our relationships thrive. You go into the New Testament and Jesus balled down the whole New Testament or, in fact, the whole law and the prophets. And he said, you can ball it down to this. Love God with all your heart, mind and soul and love your neighbor as yourself. Relations are very important. Wouldn't you agree? And psychologists believe that, you know, really all addictions can be traced back to the lack of or the absence of having true, intimate, connected relationships going on in your life. We all need relationships. And so because of the great value and the need for relationships, we're just talking about it and saying, hey, how's your relationships? How are you doing relationally? Because, you know, the reality is, is that if our Christianity is not helping our relationships, there's something wrong with our Christianity. I'm going to just let that set on you for a minute. But, you know, sometimes we try to divorce our Christianity from relationships. But if your relationships are not working, there's something wrong with your Christianity. Because our Christianity is supposed to make our relationships better. Amen? So how many of you today would say that you've been blessed to have great, meaningful relationships? You've been blessed to have solid relationships for years and years. You know, the reality is some have no one that they can call a true friend. There are people that are living their life and they have they have no one that they can say, now that right there is my true friend. You know, a lot of people have acquaintances. We have lots of acquaintances, but some of us have no true, meaningful friendship. Many of us struggle with the ability of connecting with other people. 
We have trouble really developing this kind of connection with others that we can get along and we can enjoy each other's company. But we have to get to that place so we can enjoy the best life that God has ordained and created for us to live. So let's talk about it. We want to talk about how to take our relationships to another level. Because all of us, whether it's acquaintances or meaningful relationships, I think we can all move it forward. Amen? So let's talk about how to do that. According to Proverbs, building meaningful relationships requires, number one, improving your people skills. Now, I don't know if you know this or not, but you can improve your people skills. I have good news that regardless of where you are relationally, it can get better. Amen. So if you just desire to get better at building relationships, God will help you. And he has a lot to say about it. In Proverbs 18, 24, it says this. A man who has friends must himself be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks Closer than a brother. Now listen to it again. A man who has friends must himself be friendly. So you know what this is telling? Improving people skills requires us learning how to be friendly. Now you would think, well, that's an automatic. I mean, as as born-again believers, we know how to be friendly. Well, maybe not necessarily. Because the, the, the scripture is telling us in Proverbs, we have to learn to be friendly. We have to learn. We have to learn people skills. The scripture reminds us that if we want friends, we're going to have to learn to be friendly. I mean, it seems so elementary, but it's really not. Sometimes the simplest things in scripture are the most profound things in scripture. You know, Dale Carnegie said this, if you want to gather honey, don't kick over the beehive. How many of you know you're going to get stung right there? But you know what it's saying? In other words, if you want friends, don't go walking around kicking over the beehive. You got to learn how to treat other people if you want to build friendships. But unfortunately, sometimes without realizing it, we're walking around in life and we're kicking over beehive after beehive. And we say, man, where's my friends? How come I don't have any friends? Well, we got to learn how to treat people correctly. Jesus said it like this. He said, in everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. For this is the law and the prophets. Think about it. If you really want to make friends, think about how you like to be treated. How do you like people to treat you? He says, once you figure that out, then you go treat people that same way. And you'll never lack for a friend. If we do what Jesus says right here in Matthew 7, 12, that's all we really need to build strong relationships. Jesus said, if you want to make friends, Treat people correctly. Bottom line, it seems so simple. So how do you treat people correctly? Let me give you a couple of suggestions. Number one, learn to give others honest and sincere appreciation. Don't you like to be appreciated? Well, if you say no, you lie. Everyone desires and likes to be appreciated, right? We do. We might humbly say, oh, it's all right. But we're like, would you say that again? 
Would you tell me that again? We all like to be appreciated. Everybody on the earth does. And unfortunately, we're often a lot quicker to criticize, judge, and condemn than we are to appreciate. And so if we want to make friends, we need to learn how to make comments such as, thanks for cooking that meal. And all the wives said, you know, if you want to learn to show appreciation, say, thank you for, cook- for cutting that grass. And all the men said, amen. But, you know, it's true. You know, hey, thanks for that call. Thanks for asking me about how things are going in my life. I appreciate that you are worried about me. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about this and I'm, I've noticed that when you go eat in a restaurant and, uh, and the waitress or the waiter, and by the way, let me just mention, I like to mention this because I think about this every time I'm in a restaurant. I've talked to more than one waiter or waitress that said their, their most, uh, unfavored day of the week was Sunday because the church went eat out. And the church was the meanest and the most ungrateful of all the customers. But not us, right? Amen. So we're not going in the restaurant demanding our way, complaining and murmuring about everything. We're going to be a good testimony. And everybody said, Amen. But, you know, I've noticed, you know, whenever, you know, it's their job. They've got to wait on you, and, but they don't have to do a good job, right? But, you know, I've noticed whenever somebody serves you and you get ready to leave and you tell the waiter or the waitress, hey, thanks for serving me, man. You did a great job. And you look at their face and they look at you like, are you just pulling my leg? You just made, are you just messing with me? You know, what they're saying is that they don't get that a lot. They, they don't get appreciated a lot. I know it's their job to get paid for it. But man, just thanking them for their service. Man, isn't it a blessing to just say, I need more water. And here it comes. Isn't that great? Isn't that a blessing? And so, you know, I noticed that, you know, you start showing appreciation to people and they light up. They, they just, they just, they perk up. You know why? Because everybody wants to be appreciated. That's why. That's why it's so powerful. You know, there's two kinds of people in the world. There's those who are ungrateful and take everything for granted and everyone for granted. And then there's those who appreciate it and are thankful for what others do for them. Amen. And listen to what Colossians 4 says. Devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Hey, try this if you go eat out this afternoon. And after the waitress or waiter finishes their job, Don't give them a track. Give them a tip. And a good tip. And then say, hey, thank you so much for your service. You did a great job. You know what? Even if they don't respond, you'll feel good about it. Amen? A second way to treat people if you want to make friends is be genuinely interested in other people. You know, listen to this. The truth is, people are not really interested in you. I hate to tell you that. And they're really not interested in me. I hate to tell myself that. But they were really interested in themselves. People are interested in themselves. So if you truly want to impact people, just show genuine interest in them. 
that will impact people. Listen, if you really, you know, have you ever been to a doctor's office or like, you know, um, a, a dentist's office or whatever? You sit in the room and there's a few people in there and everybody's in there to see a doc. And everybody's kind of sitting there and kind of squirming and kind of looking. And you dare not catch eyes with the person across the room because then you might have to say hi. So you're just kind of bouncing around and you happen and you look away and you grab a magazine and there's awkwardness all around. But man, that's amazing if you say, hi, my name's Todd. What's your name? You just introduce yourself and they're like, man. They just, everybody's nervous. They're going to see the doc and it's just good to talk. Amen. But you know, what I notice is that you can make a friend wherever you want. You can keep a conversation going with, with everybody you want. You just ask them a lot of questions about themselves. And if you ask questions about them, they'll be glad to tell you a lot about themselves. Why? Because everybody's interested in themselves. Now, listen, on the contrary, isn't it great when somebody comes up to you and tell you what a great life they have? And how, how important they are and what a, what a profound person and impact they're making. Doesn't that just, doesn't that just bring joy to your heart? No. No, it doesn't. I can answer for you. No, we don't really like that. But so all I'm saying is that if we show genuine interest in other people, it's going to impact their life. You know, it takes, listen, it's, it's hard to find people who are not consumed with their own agenda. You know, because that's what we normally do. Not too many people are genuinely concerned with you and what's going on in your life. Isn't that true? And so whenever you genuinely show interest in other people, they're not sure it's real. They're not sure it's genuine. They're wondering what, what the motive is. Man, when you show genuine interest in people, listen, everywhere you go, when you go to when you go to the mall, whenever you go to the store, whenever you go to Walmart, wherever it is, those people that are working there, we have no idea what's going on in their life. But man, you know, you could find out if you just show interest in them. You know, Alfred Adler said this, it's the individual who is not interested in his fellow man who has the greatest difficulty in life and provides the greatest injury to others. It's the person who is not interested in his fellow man that has the greatest difficulty in life. You know, listen, Philippians 2 and 3 says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. And don't look out only for your own interest, but take an interest in others too. So when somebody says, how are you doing? How about if you say, I'm doing great. How are you doing? And if you just turn that thing right around, man, they'll be glad to just, and you know what? Whenever you ask that question, be ready to hear how they're doing. Be ready to hear it. Because they might have not had anybody show interest in them in quite some time. And they might be looking for somebody to share the burden of their life with. So listen, how do you show genuine interest in others? By your words, by, by your actions, your behavior, by taking time to find out what's going on in other people's lives. You know, the Apostle Paul became very effective in bringing people into the kingdom of God using this method. 
He just showed interest in other people. He just put value in other people and he won them to Christ. And you know, he said this, the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 9, 21, when I am with those who are weak, I share their weakness. For I want to bring the weak to Christ. Yes, I try to find common ground with everyone doing everything I can to save some. Now, how could he know that somebody was weak unless he paid attention to where they were? And he says, listen, I've become all things to all men that I might win some. He found out who they were. He found common ground, what their passions were, what, their, what they got excited about life. But you know what Paul learned? That people are interested. People become interested in us and our message when we become in, interested in them. You heard the saying, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's got a way that, you, that they think you should live your life. But what people want to know is, do you really care about me? Amen. A third way to, tr to make friends is learn to encourage others. Encouragement is the oxygen of the soul. Just as the physical body needs air to survive, our souls need encouragement to thrive. We all need encouragement. Everybody needs someone to believe in them. Someone to support them. Someone to be there when everybody else walks out. Everybody needs a cheerleader. Everybody needs someone to know that, man, I'm with you. Listen what 1 Thessalonians 5.11 says, Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up just as you are doing. Listen, the devil don't want to build you up. He wants to tear you down. The devil don't want to build the church up. He wants to tear it down. Amen. He don't want to encourage us. He wants to discourage us. Let's not play in the hands of the enemy and discourage and tear each other up. Let's build each other up and build the kingdom of God. Amen. Amen. Yes. You know, I was thinking about, I was thinking about this. Um, you know, what, what is encouragement? Encouragement is to infuse courage into people that are discouraged. Because whenever you discourage, you lost your courage. And as an encourager, you're trying to infuse them with courage. You're trying to help people get through their difficulties and their trials. And whenever it looks bleak, you come along and you say, you know what, man, I'm praying for you. It's going to work. You're going to make it through this. Amen. And in an attempt to, to provoke people to do better and to go further, you, you, just, you just cheer them on and you encourage them and say, man, you can make it. How do you encourage others? Well, by smiling, by loving, by saying, speaking uplifting words, by being accepting of, of where people are. It's helping people see the good that they can't see in themselves. It's, 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 getting, it's helping people get past their failures. That's what encouragement is. You know, I believe that if we learn to encourage people, again, we'll never lack for friends. You know, I, I was thinking about, you know, people that, uh, you know, on Sunday afternoon after people fill out the welcome card, if it's their first time here, I try to call as many people as I can, either Sunday afternoon or, or Monday during the day or something. And I'll call people and say, hey, thanks for coming to Family Life. How'd you hear about us? Miss Clara? I call somebody else. Hey, I, hey, thanks for coming to Family Life. How did you hear about us? Miss Clara? I got to find out who this Miss Clary is. I'm telling you, so many people have come to this church and are coming to this church because of Miss Clara. 
Y'all know Miss Clara? Miss Clara, stand up. I want everybody to see who Miss Clara is. Stand up. Come on. Just give glory to God. Come on. That's Miss Clara right there. Hey, listen, if you go see War Room, they have a Miss Clara. We got our own Miss Clara. Amen. But, you know, I just observe watching Miss Clara. I was, I was, how do you know Miss Clara? Oh, that's my spiritual mama. Oh, that's my, that's my spiritual mom there. But, you know, I've just observed as Miss Clara just, just engages with all these people that come to church because of Miss Clara. And she's an encourager. She just encourages you out of the pit. And so people want to be around her because, listen, whenever they get discouraged, they're looking for somewhere to get some courage. And they come to her and she has courage because she knows Jesus Christ and she can point them to the one that can lift them up out of the pit they're in. Amen. So congratulations, Miss. God bless you. Keep doing what you're doing. Amen. But come on, how many of you know encourages in your life? How many of you have encourages? We all need encourages. And encourages impact people. Now, a second way that we can take relationships to another level is not just improving our people skills and learning how to connect with people better, but we can also learn to get beyond the surface relationally. And let me explain what I mean by that. I believe that many people have acquaintances of relationships, but no meaningful relationships because they never get beyond the surface in relationships. you got to get beyond the surface. You got to get beyond the surface to build an intimate relationship. And what, what does that mean? What does that look like? Listen, let, let me just get a clarification. I'm not talking about sexual involvement. Because in our society, intimacy, sexual environment, it has nothing to do with that. Intimacy comes from connecting. An intimate relationship is the relational connection that is made when we allow another person into our world. That's how we build intimacy. It's dropping our walls, dropping our guard, and allowing another person to get beyond the surface in our life and allow them to find out what's really going on in our world. And so many times we're not willing to do that. But we'll never experience intimate relationships until you're willing to get below the surface relationally. So how do you do that? How do you get below the surface? Well, first of all, you have to get beyond cliches of small talk and exchanging meaningless facts. You have to get beyond that. And you have to be willing to open up your heart and begin sharing your passions, your hopes, your dreams. This is what makes you tick. This is what you get excited about. Relational intimacy happens when we're willing to begin to express our feelings and listen, express our faults and share our fears, our weaknesses. Dare we share weaknesses and failures? No, the reality is we don't want to go there because people might reject us if they know I got issues. But you know what? Just the opposite is true. People will be more accepting of you if you can humbly just say, I am not perfect. I got problems. Amen. Because they'll feel more comfortable because they're looking for somebody else that got issues like them. Come on. I'm preaching right now. So to, to, in other words, to build strong relationships, you have to be willing to open up and listen. 
get beyond using one word answers. How you doing? Good. How was your day? Great. What did you do today? Stuff. Hey, that's surface. All right. You got to get beyond that. All right. But how about like sharing some some feelings of how your day went? And then you get beyond the surface. Somebody said intimacy can be defined like this. Into me, you see. Into me, you see. First Peter 3.8 says, Finally, all of you live in harmony with one another. Be sympathetic, love as brothers. Be compassionate and humble. You know what? Humility is being willing to take the mask off. It's being willing to drop your guard and become transparent with others. Now, obviously, you can't become transparent with everybody. I wouldn't recommend that. But you got to find somebody that you could share. Amen? James 5.16 says, Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for each other so that you can be healed. So James says healing comes from being a vulnerable enough to confess your sins and struggles with each other. Wow. But I believe not just healing comes from confessing your sins and your struggles with each other. I believe that intimate, strong relationships are developed in that context as well. And so listen, being humble means that you're willing to open up your heart and share your faults, fears, and your failures. And I've noticed that strong relationships are forged through this kind of environment. I think about Celebrate Recovery. And it's amazing that somebody comes to church here and we point them over to Celebrate Recovery and they get involved in Celebrate Recovery and we never have to worry about whether they got friends. They go to Celebrate Recovery on Friday night and then before you know it, there's the man on the first service, they got a group of them sits right here. That's their little powwow and they just hang out together. And I think, why is that? Well, you know why they go to Celebrate Recovery? To share their hurts their habits, and their hang-ups. In other words, they're opening up their life and saying, man, I need prayer, I need support. This is what's going on in my life. And everybody's like, man, man, we, we, we understand. And they begin to share life and relationships are forged. That's why we encourage you to get in small groups. Who you have to share your life with? But in the context of a small group, in grief share and some of these other groups, you start talking about the scripture and Bible study and inevitably, hey, I need prayer. I went to the doctor today. Oh, my goodness. Man, we had no idea you were going through this. And all of a sudden, people feel compassion and feel sympathetic for you. And they get around you and they pray for you and they support you. And all of a sudden, that trial is not nearly as great because you've got somebody walking with you through it. But listen, you'll never have strong relationships until you're willing to get beyond the surface. Amen? A third and final way to forge deeper relationships is by continually working on your personal character. How many of you know that you know what hinders my relationships more than anything else in the world is me? There was no amen there. So let me try it a different way. What hinders your relationships more than anything on the globe is you. Amen. Amen? Are y'all with me? You're tracking with me? And so listen, this is what 
This is what 1 Timothy 4, 7 says. Have nothing to do with godless myths and old wives' tales. Rather, train yourself to be godly. For physical training is of some value, but godliness has value for all things. Godliness. Paul encourages us to train ourselves to be godly. Why? Why should we train ourselves to become more godly? Because sometimes it's our own character flaws that hinders our relationships. Isn't that true? You know, think about it. If I have an anger problem, my anger will keep me from developing a strong, meaningful relationship with my wife. I could try as much as I want to, but I got to deal with this anger problem. Proverbs 29, 11 says, A fool gives vent to his anger, but a wise man keeps himself under control. If I have an anger problem, there's no way I can build a healthy relationship with my children. I'm going to push them away. In fact, the Bible specifically says, fathers, don't exasperate your children. Don't anger your children. You know how we can anger our children with our own anger? But listen, it doesn't stop there. But listen, what about if I got an issue with being overly critical and judgmental? It's going to hinder my relationships. If everything I see in everybody is wrong, 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 bad, 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 I'm going to give off that vibe and nobody's going to want to be around me because when they get around me, all they're going to sense is all you're doing is pointing out the faults in me and I can't stand it. I know I got them. I don't need you to show me. Come on, I'm preaching right now. I'm preaching to myself. Amen. So the further I go, With my character, the better I can build relationships. The Bible says, Romans 15, 7, Therefore accept each other, just as Christ has accepted you, so that God will be given glory. You know, the more godly character I have, the easier it will be for me to get along with other people. The less godly character I have, the harder it will be for me to get along. If I don't have godly character, I'm going to walk around kicking over the beehives time and time again. And I'm going to get stung in relationships. And it's like, what is the matter? Well, maybe it's your own personal character flaws that keep doing you in. And so I think if I just allow God to help me to deal with anger or criticalness or whatever the case may be, I think that now I can get to the place where I can forge strong, meaningful relationships. Don't you agree? So not not only should I work on my character for this, but sometimes working on our character will help us because sometimes it's our hurt from past relationships that hinders our present relationships. You know, I, you know, they say that 80% of marriage problems is really not the problem in the marriage, but it's what happened before you got married. And you've seen everything in your marriage from the lens of what happened to you whenever you were a child and you're projecting that on the person that you married. So you're automatically projecting on them all this stuff that is really can be or not be true of them. But I don't think it stops in marriage. I think it's in every relationship. We look through the lens in which the environment we came through and we have an issue with if somebody broke their trust with me, then I don't trust anybody. 
And so I'm content with just coming in church, sneaking in. And as soon as Pastor Todd says, stand up, let's pray, I'm out of there because dare I get into relationships because last time I got in a relationship, somebody dropped me. Somebody rejected me. Somebody betrayed me. Somebody took advantage of my relationship. Listen, think about the option to stay in your own little world, isolated world. Is that is that God's will for us? And the answer is no. But what do we do? I mean, what do you do if you've got an, a trust issue with people? What do you do if you've been so hurt by relationships that you're not willing to invest in getting another one started? What do you do? The only thing I know to do is go before the Lord and say, Lord, I know relationships is what your kingdom is about, and I'm struggling right now. I need your help. Amen? Call on the name of the Lord. Get, get you some books to read. Get in a, a group to help you. But do whatever you need to do. But move past the hurt so you can build meaningful relationships. Amen? Because listen, think about this. If you've been betrayed, if you've been hurt, and you get bitter, everywhere you go and every relationship you come in contact with will be poisoned with the bitterness that's in your life. And so you say, no, 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 I don't have an issue with the rest of the world. It's just this knothead. But it doesn't work like that. You see, if I choose to be bitter and hold unforgiveness towards the knothead, that bitterness is going to spill over in my relationship with everybody else. You see, and so my bitterness now is keeping me from developing what I really want and need is deep, intimate relationships. So before I can get there, I got to deal with my bitterness. You got to forgive. You got to forgive, not for their sake, but for your sake. You got to release it. Amen. What do you do? What do you do if you don't trust people? I don't know other than that. Ask the Lord to help you. To help you. And I believe that God's grace is sufficient to help you. And see, I would be, I would venture to say that the most lonely people in the world, it's not because they don't want friends. It's because they can't pass, get past the walls. They can't get past their hurts. They can't get past the kicks in the ribs. And they're afraid to venture out. And so they live an isolated, lonely life. When Jesus wants us to live in the community of believers so we can encourage and strengthen and love one another. And then finally, sometimes it's our own limited ability that keeps us from building meaningful relationships. How many of you know that we can go so far and we'll come to an end? We need God's help. Don't you agree? We need God. How many of you would agree? Man, we need God's help. Would you do me a favor and stand right now and let's pray together? Let's take a let's take a play out of out of let's take a let's take a snapshot out of Jesus's life for a moment. How did Jesus he how many of you feel like you're Jesus's friend? Let me see your hand. Hey, man, he's got this many friends. How, how did he win us? 
How did he win? A, how, how did he get me to become his friend? He, he gave me some drugs? No, no. How did he win me? With love. That's how he won you, with love. How do we win friends? With love. It's with love. You know, the Bible says there's three different words that describe love. There's first, eros, erotic love, perverted love. Anybody can have that stuff. And then there's phileo, the brotherly love. That's the love that we have for one another. I love you, brother. I love you, man. You're a good dude. I appreciate you. We can all have brotherly love. But then there's agape love. Agape love is unconditional love. See, phileo says, if you treat me right, I'll love you. If you be good to me, I'll love you. It's conditional love. But agape love says unconditionally, I'm going to love you. That's how Jesus won us with unconditional love. He didn't wait for us to get good and lovable to love us. He said, I'm going to love you even with all your junk. Amen. How do we make friends? We love. We love unconditionally. We love even though people have junk. We love them through their junk. We love them in their junk. We love them until they come out of their junk. Amen. Now listen, you can't love like that on your own. We can't love unconditionally. Only God can love unconditionally. And the only way that we can love unconditionally is to have God's kind of love flowing in our life. The only way to have God's kind of love flowing in our life is got we got to be rightly connected to Jesus to have his love flowing in our life. It's the only way to do it. It's the only place to get it. You got to be rightly connected to Jesus. Amen. So I don't know if you connected to Jesus right now. You might be here today and you say, Todd, I don't know if I'm a Christian. I don't know if I'm a, if I go to heaven when I die. I, I, I believe in God, but I'm not sure I'm right with God. But I need God's love. I need, I need help in my relationships. And I just want to surrender to Jesus. I need his unconditional love. If that's you today and you say, Todd, would you pray for me? Would you just lift your hand? Just lift your hand and just raise it high because I want to pray for you. There you go. Raise your hand. Raise it high. Come on. Raise. Listen, those of you that are raising your hand, would you do me a favor? Slip out and just come right here because we're going to pray. Come on. Just slip out, my brother. Come on right here. Just come on out. Just come. Come on right now. This is your day. This is your hour. Come on. Come on. You need the love of God. You need the love of God. Come on. Those tears. Come on. Those tears. God is going to heal your heart. He's going to heal your hurt. Come on. Some of you have been kicked so many times. You haven't found any kind of good love yet. But Jesus is here to give it to you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Come on. We'll wait for y'all. Come on. This is the greatest decision you could ever make in your entire life. Come on. Come on. Come right up here. Don't be ashamed. Don't be bashful. This is your day. This is your hour. Thank you, Father God. Praise you, Father. And listen, just, just bow your heart before the Lord. And just say this with me. Jesus, I'm sorry for my sins. I repent. I ask you to forgive me. I need your love. I want your love. Jesus, would you forgive me? Would you cleanse me? Help me, Lord, to live the Christian life. I turn from my evil ways, and I choose to turn to you. Thank you for accepting me. 
into your family. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. And amen. And amen. Amen. Listen, if you'll just stay right here for just a second. Can I have some altar workers come and just greet every one of these? We want to get you, get you some information, a Bible if you need one. And, uh, and we just want to just uh, uh, get your name so we can pray for you and help you get started in this journey. Can I have some altar workers uh, just to come and just meet them right now? Thank you very much. Now listen, for those, of you, for those of you that are still out here, let me ask you a question. Since we just talked about, about bitterness, about offense. Do you need Jesus to pull that out of your life? Come on. Do do you need to just go and sow some good seeds in relationships? Think about your relationships. And let's ask the Lord to help us build solid, meaningful relationships. Let me pray a prayer of blessing over you. Father, I pray for every person here today those that are struggling, those that have been hurt, those that have been betrayed, those that have been kicked, Lord, those that are scared, those that are having trouble with the, just the motivation to, to just invite anybody to supper or to lunch or to share coffee with. God, I pray, help us today, Lord, to be healed of our past relationships and help us today, God, to be infused with your love, Lord. And God, help us to learn how to get along and to have the people skills that will help people that are around us, God. Thank you, Jesus, for being the example to us and pointing the way for us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen and amen. God bless you. If you need any prayer, we'll be up here if you want somebody to stand with you. If not, God bless you. Have a wonderful day. You're dismissed.